Hey there, Emo Over Easy listeners. Drew here, joined by co-host Andy and Tanner. We are socially distanced outside on my patio, but don't worry, we had DK Diner breakfast. So if you hear some birds in the background, it's natural. It's just not the clanking of pots and pans like you're used to. And we are joined by our recurrent guest. Yeah, sounds sounds good. That's like a title. Honorary right? co-host. Honorary <laughs> co-host, John Casey. John, thanks for joining us this morning. Guys, good to see you. Yeah, thanks for having Fantastic. me. Good to see you guys as well, even if it's from far away. <laughs> This is the first episode in a while we've recorded together in person, as Andy likes to say, live, Live. as opposed to via some type of Google Hangouts and remote recording, and uh, it feels really nice. It does. It's it's actually feels very confusing to me because I want to like give you guys hugs, but I also don't want to touch anything. Uh, I refuse to set up the mics because I didn't want to touch it, and then contaminate them somehow so Andy had to do all of, all that kind of stuff it's, it's very strange for me I'm very confused I'm very confused about what the microphone cleaning process is going to look like after you know all these corporations have official strict cleaning things I, I, I'm trying to figure if you're going to use UV light or Clorox or simply just use this as a reason to buy new ones we're just going to put this back in the bag and not touch it for a week okay. and bingo okay. in the process the coronavirus will have died right because it just doesn't have a long shelf life on uh, surfaces mm, yeah this week. This week. <laughs> yes. Next week it might. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, subject to change with CDC notice. Yeah. Uh, well, we got a sweet episode coming up. We're going to talk about tips for new docs, which is perfect because this is going to be July by the time our listeners are getting this. And we're going to have a slew of new docs interns in the department. Mm-hmm. There's going to be new docs graduating and starting their attending roles. And we're going to have students that want to be new docs in the emergency department hitting rotations. But before we do that, I want to plug something, a little bit of a humble brag a book that is getting published right now. So by July, it'll be on the shelves, Pocket Pimped for Emergency Medicine. This is a series of books that is started by some uh, other people at Doctors Hospital. There's a general surgery and ortho edition, but the emergency medicine edition is hot off the press with myself, two other authors, and a slew of awesome editors that have made... um, Kind of a nationwide crew. Like you guys... Spared yeah. no expense on that. Exactly. Yeah, so this is this is a little bit of a study guide, but really these are the questions you're going to get asked on a shift and the things that you need to know to perform well as a junior or mid-level learner in the emergency department. Or if you just want a quick reference guide for a ton of really good information, 1,500 questions. Uh, it's, it's a really good book and it's small, so it actually fits in your pocket, the whole idea of on Pocket Pimped. And because I'm an Emover over easy host, I was able to finagle a 20% discount for our listeners. All you have to do is plug in the code EMOE20. You get 20% off the book. That is good in perpetuity. Go to the Pocket wow. Pick website yeah. to get the discounts. And uh, dropping bombs over here. I didn't know. He, he, he did not tell us this about this at all. News. He was holding that back just to watch we need our the Brian faces. Gumbo. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. <laughs> well, I am excited about using that discount myself. Boom, boom. Yep. You guys might get. Uh, complimentary copies E-M-O-E-20. of the book. E-M-O-E-20, all right. E-M-O-E-20. Oh, we'll That'll be, be on our website. We'll post it on social media. <laughs> if you're interested in emergency medicine or you're just getting started in emergency medicine, this is a great book for you to consider buying. I'm not going to force it on anyone, but uh, really would appreciate it if you check it out. That's going to gain a lot of uh, traction. Actually, there's already a bird tweeting it. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> the benefit of recording that. <laughs> the benefit. It's amazing. And also, real quick, before we get into the episode, don't forget to sign up for our weekly newsletter. Uh, Tanner's doing a ton of really good work trying to make sure that that gets pumped out, reminding Drew and I to fill in our categories. I say, by a lot of good work, you mean just poking you guys every Yeah, I find it just a reason days. for him to pester us uh, every other week <laughs> to make sure that I'm keeping it updated. Yeah. Hey, have yeah. you guys read anything recently? <laughs> have you listened to anything recently? <laughs> I need actually, updated information. It's actually forced yeah. me to read things no, it is. so yeah. that I can continue to have something. My, 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 uh, my night shelf book stand or book uh, no, like pile has gotten smaller because of you so mm, we right. greatly appreciate it but check that out emovereasy.com when you go to the website it'll ask you to subscribe that's what you're subscribing to 
you'll not get spammed. It's an email every other week or so, and that's it. That's all you're getting from us. Yeah. Nothing more. Maybe a little less. You know, greasy, all hash, no spam. All hash, no spam. So, Andy, tell us, what are we talking about today? This is an episode we did about three years ago, Tips for New Docs, but, but tell us more. Three years ago. That's crazy. Yeah, this was this was our <clears throat> first year kind of anniversary episode where we actually got to try to impart <clears throat> wisdom. Uh, you guys were just graduating, I think is why we did it, because yep. it was a Tips for New Docs with the kind of a graduate idea. But it, every year from about April till June, you'll start seeing these tweets, hashtag Tips for New Docs. It's now caught on Instagram. Um, and you'll even see it on Facebook a little bit. And it's just these little nuggets of information that we want to impart to our listeners and if possible listeners to um, to kind of get you guys into the show and things that we've learned along the way. You know, I think at the table, we've got over 20 plus years of post-residency experience. You had residency and then pre-hospital, um, about 40 plus years of EM experience in multiple different emergency departments. That makes us all sound really old. It yeah, really, seriously. really like, does. Why? Why? I get that you why? all you're going for there, but <laughs> yeah. man, now I feel old. Yeah. The effect and the side implications are not incongruity there. Well, that was not my purpose in that statement. It was mostly to give us some credit when people listen to us, and we're not just a bunch of buffoons. No, we no. are. Kind we of are. Buffoons. We are. A bunch of I was going to say uh, that. But the idea was for each of us to do one to two kind of tips for for the new doc or the budding intern um, on ways to make their time in the emergency department less painful. Nice. I don't. Most of the time, I I don't know. Is is it really supposed to be painful there? Because I really actually kind of like it. Well, no, it's although PPE has become kind of painful yeah, lately. Yeah, oh my! And I guess we're saying less painful. Yeah. It's I know there are some potholes that you can avoid with yes. following tips. Oh yeah, we like avoiding potholes. Yeah, or yeah. or piles of dung, whatever whatever yes. it needs to be like. Yes. For, for, for landmines. Your, landmines. Yeah. Whatever it needs. To, the vernacular, but hopefully yeah. by by list, listening to some of these tips, um, you'll get there. So who wants to go first? Yeah, so I'll do it. I'm the guest. I'll take some of the pressure off since there was such a debate about who was going to start this thing. There's just a a blank stare across the table. There was. There was. It was good. Um, So I'm going to start off with um, a really simple one that I think you guys have probably maybe heard me say at some point in in your career and maybe residents and folks that are listening or have worked with me have heard before. And that is this. When you are just starting medicine – you, you don't know everything, but understand we know you don't know everything and we don't expect you to know everything. And so really take the time, those first couple of months in particular, even longer in your intern year to really learn about uh, a patient, really learn about the disease. There's what you learn in medical school, which is great as a foundation, but then there's the real world stuff that you need to know, like how to correct the potassium or when you need to be worried about what that lab value means. And slowing down, seeing a few less patients, but doing it more thoughtfully really makes a huge difference. I would rather you see just a few patients on your first couple of shifts and really start to get good at sussing out what's important and what's not than to come out your first shift and see a whole bunch of patients and really not, not have done it well at all. I mean, that's, that's pretty fantastic advice for just about anybody who's starting a new position, whether it's, you know, uh, a med student starting their first rotation, an intern starting the first year, or, or even a new attending. I think I was fairly good when I graduated residency, but there was one thing I I knew for a fact is that I don't know everything. And so I relied on the people who were experienced and who had those, those concepts already beaten into them for over, you know, years and years and decades of experience already. Like the, the charge nurse that's next to you, if they say, Hey, you want to come look at this patient for me? That's, that's a, that's a little signal saying, Hey, come, come look at this patient. Yeah, for sure. And as a PGY8, 
I can tell you, I still don't know everything at all. Yeah. I just maybe am better at knowing where to go to figure it out and yeah. have become much more comfortable with my lack of knowledge on certain things and know when to call in the troops and, and ask for help and get expert advice. And that's the hardest thing I think when you're starting is you, you want to ask for help and, and you know you don't know or maybe you don't know what you don't know, uh, which is even one worse, of the, more one dangerous. Of the worst things uh, to do. But it's this fear then of rallying the troops and getting the help that you need because you don't want to come across as looking incompetent where the reality is recognizing that you don't know the next step in disease management is one of the most competent things you can do. And then to make it even better is you know who to call or where to go to figure out what to do. And I think maybe to spin that a little farther is, is that when you, the, I don't know goes in the way you talk to people. So when you go see a patient and didn't ask a question and the attending asks you, what about this? Say, I don't know. I didn't ask. Yeah, I, didn't I didn't ask. ask. Like I would much rather, and I'm speaking for attendings everywhere. That is my favorite thing to hear somebody say, because they're being honest. They're being truthful. It gives me something to go ask the patient. And then it's in for, it's a teaching point. And so I didn't ask. I don't know. Is a great phrase that again, like Drew said, I still use to this day when I talk to consultants on the phone, oh, yeah, I when I talk it. to residents. Yeah. Like same thing when a consultant asks me, Did, what about this? And I'll be like, mm, I, don't I, I don't know. I didn't ask that. Yeah. That's and, a whole point of calling a specialist, yeah. right? You, yeah. I've got the breadth. You've got the depth. Right. If there's something that you need to know to help to solve this problem that I've called to ask you about, I'll be happy to go ask. But right. I didn't exactly what you're pointing out. I'm going to ask. What's this? What's the song? No when to hold them. No when to fold them. Yeah. Like Kenny Rogers. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's that's what I'm thinking. Like this is like got some intro music now. Yeah. You got to know when to hold them. It is exactly what this whole it's the gambler, feels like. by the way. It's, yeah, it's I, a, good, I, a phrase I've started using with consultants when I can tell that they're a little perturbed that I call them, and, and I simply just say, I've identified a situation where I need your expert advice and consultation to properly manage and disposition this patient. Yeah, how to talk to consultants. And, and how can a consultant then be really mad at me? I've identified a gap in my comfort level or ability to manage this patient. You are the expert. I'm getting you on board. And for our new interns and our students, we as the attendings in the ED are the expert that you need to come to. And so are the senior residents that are learning, that you're learning from. Andy, I think you got it another tip. It wasn't really my next tip, yeah. but I'm going to steal it, which is don't lie. Uh-huh. All right. and, and you already said it, so I won't really take credit for no, it. But it. You know, be honest about what you're that doing. Be what lying you, if yeah. you took credit for what it. You, exactly. And I, I don't lie. If you don't have the information, if you didn't ask a question, don't make up an answer that you think the attending or the resident wants to hear. Just be truthful about it, right? I, it, it is okay to not know. It's okay not to have asked. That's how we learn. We learn by, by not knowing and not doing. We don't learn by getting everything right the first time around. But be truthful and honest about it. And then learn from that mistake or learn from that deficiency so that you are no longer deficient in it and moving forward. Yeah, I love the idea of just be, just be honest. Um, you know, it comes up a lot when we interview residents or potential residents. Like, what's the thing you look for in a person? I'm like, honesty is it. Because if you're honest with me, then I can be honest with you. And then we can be honest together with our patients and with our consultants. And so honesty is this whole circle of life kind of thing where if you're honest, it means we can have a great relationship. Because I can be honest with you, you can be honest with me, and we can grow together. But the second dishonesty gets involved... Now it's automatically harder than it needs to be. You're saying when dishon- when dishonesty is involved, you are outside the circle of trust. A circle yeah. of trust, Ooh. yeah. The circle of life is one thing, but the circle, the circle of, of trust, trust is really what you want to be in. Yeah. Yes, I like it. Well, and I'll tell you, as when I teach people, honesty is so important because if you're honest, then I know what your motives are, and I can help you achieve your goal. Think about it. 
and extrapolate it to your patients, how irritated we all get when our patients just aren't truthful, mm-hmm. right? How much easier would it be managing patients if they came in and you said, sir, what brings you in today? And they handed you a piece of paper that said, I read on the internet, I'm afraid I have appendicitis. Okay, great, right? Then, then I will do my exam and I'll ask you history and do all the things I'm supposed to do. But if that's really your deepest, darkest concern and that's, that's the thing you really want me to answer, you know, if you ask that question, if you're honest about it, then I can address it. And whether or not you get to see the CT scanner or a surgeon or just get discharged with Motrin and Tylenol, yeah. you're, you're going to at least have the thing you wanted to know answered. Yeah. And it's the same thing with, with, uh, with learners when they come to you. Uh, just when you don't know something and, and I will put one little side plug in for that. I really do appreciate the, the answer to the question. I don't know, but I don't like it when you're just doing that to be lazy. And I know lazy is really a mean, aggressive term, but when somebody puts a chest x-ray up to look at and you say, what do you see here? And they say, I don't know. Right. That That's lazy, right? Because you know a lot of things. You may I, I, not. I see a chest x-ray. I see a chest x-ray. I see, yeah, I see, I see normal lungs. I see a heart that looks like lungs. the normal. Yeah, I see a lack of lungs. Yeah. You know, that that kind of stuff, right? But but when you just put up and you you, know, you you really don't know what that is, like, I mean, you don't even know it's an x-ray. Like, what? Yeah. I, I don't know what you don't know, we're right? We're looking at a chicken. We're yeah. looking at the, yeah. Yeah. So, so because I've seen people use that as an excuse mm-hmm. for not being honest because they're afraid of repercussions. Yeah. There's no repercussion for actually not knowing the repercussion comes when you're using i don't know as a hedge to not do the next step which you're really capable of doing absolutely and this transcends beyond learners right this isn't just about our students and our residents but being truthful and honest is an incredibly important thing as an attending too particularly as you're getting started Mm -hmm. you want to maintain a good relationship with the staff that's working for you so to be upfront when a a sick complicated patient comes in and the nurse looks at you or somebody else looks at you and goes hey what's going on it's okay to say yeah I, i don't know we got a lot of work to do. Yeah. Right? And I tell that to patients and I tell that to my, my coworkers, the residents and students I'm working with and the, the nursing staff all the time. I, I don't know. I, you give me, you give me a big task, right? We got some digging to do and I don't know that I'm going to find the answer to this. I'm not sure I even fully understand what's going on, but let me see what I can do and let's, let's rule out the big bad stuff and address the things that come up. Yeah. And it's really important to be honest with yourself, which is probably where this all starts is it's, it's okay. Right. There's lots of times. Sometimes it's patients that are not critical at all that are coming in for maybe a, a chronic convoluted complaint. And you go, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to tell you what's going on, but yeah. let's check a few things out. And then there's the opposite, which is the super sick, complicated patient. You go, nope, don't know, but let's see what we can figure out. Yeah. The tip for new docs that I would highly recommend people look into. And this, this transcends, you know, med students, interns, new attendings. Honestly, it probably transcends to just about everybody. Uh, is is the concept of sleep? What's that? S- sleep is a very very important thing that we tend to uh, ignore, neglect, neglect, and it is one of the first things that we throw by the wayside mm-hmm. for multitude of reasons. Whether it is negative things like we have to go to work, or we have to go take care of a crying kid, or we have to go do all these things that we don't necessarily really want to do, but we have to do. Or positive things like hanging out with friends or, or wanting to do fun events and you sacrifice sleep, which is essential to operating as a human. Uh, and, and the reason this is a really, really important thing for me is because over the last three years, I have switched to mostly doing night shifts and have actually had some pretty weird health issues because of that. And it has become very apparent to me that over time, you know, I, I got 
all kinds of tests done, such as like blood work and, and MRIs. And uh, I felt really weird and conflicted because I'm a doctor, but I don't know what's going on with my body. And, uh, and it turns out that my wife figured it out. She goes, what if it, I wonder if it's connected to sleep. Sure enough, it was. Uh, the minute that I actually started focusing on my sleep habits, my sleep hygiene, my schedule, uh, all of a sudden the symptoms and issues I was having resolved. Uh, but it's, it's such, such an easy trap to fall into. And so my, my, my pitch would be for new docs or, or people who are just having issues in general. Take a step back, look at your sleep habits, look at your sleep hygiene. And there's one person sitting at this table right now that I know has pretty dang good sleep hygiene. It's our, it's our recurrent yeah, guest host. Yeah, buddy. And, and the reason I know this is because uh, I stayed at his house when I was a med student. And, and I believe you were listening to Harry Potter at yes, the time. Yes, that is correct. The Harry Potter series uh, audiobook, 118 or so different voices. The guy's amazing. <laughs> Thank you, J.K. Rowling. Yeah, yeah. And I could always tell when Casey was asleep because he was listening to this and it would just go on all night. And I was like, how is he still listening to that? It turns out that he just uses that to, like as a mechanism to help him fall asleep. And he restarts back. Oh, well, I'll let you explain why you do that. No, no, it's, it's, uh, it's okay. And, and thanks to Apple, you wouldn't have to suffer that anymore. Thank you, <laughs> Apple, because now they have a sleep timer built into the audiobook feature. But, um, no, so I, um, sleep was really, really important. And I knew this from EMS. So I experienced, what you learned, you know, over the past few years, I experienced that working as a paramedic, getting my sleep interrupted several times a night, working an overnight shift. And then I would get up the next day and just try and function like everybody else functioned. I wouldn't try and take a nap or do anything. Yeah. And very similar. It was like a badge of honor, right? I can go be this awesome paramedic superhero. You guys really are superheroes. Mm-hmm. Um, I could, I could go do that at night and it was amazing and then get up the next day and do all these fun things because I had a day off and never do catch up sleep or anything like that. And it, Really, over time, the same thing. I started having these weird health things that were going on. My focus went down. I, things were tasks that used to be really easy were were a lot more complicated. Um, so I will say, um, but interestingly, I don't think maybe none of you know this. I don't know. I don't know maybe I'm, I'm I'm outing myself. Um, but um, but I also started having an issue with sleep, even though I was getting plenty of it. So I would oh. add a second part to it. Um, and uh, and actually, Kim. Um, is is the one to thank for this uh, again sometimes Weird. you need another person yeah to to you know to give notice yeah. to give you perspective um she she told me she's like um i don't know if you know this but you probably have sleep apnea and i was like well uh i don't know May, maybe i do maybe i don't right um so um i went and had a sleep apnea test done and I figured out why I was feeling so yucky all the time. Um, I was basically uh, struggling to breathe, um, like stopping it. breathing like, you know, 50 times a night. Um, and so it had affected a lot of my life that I didn't realize. <clears throat> so they actually, um, so of course I got put on a, um, on a sleep apnea machine and um, literally changed my life. Uh, the first night I went um, to sleeping like, for, you know, waking up 50 times a night, not breathing to actually sleeping. I only slept six hours and I woke up feeling as if someone had given me an entire new body. It's amazing. It was <clears throat> absolutely amazing. So um, the point is that even if you're getting um, the sleep and making the time, um, <clears throat> interrupting kids, blue light, 
there are lots of things out there. Really pay attention to your sleep and make it a, um, a, a priority and do what you need to do. And don't be afraid. There is no way that I would have figured that out even with a, without doing a test because I wasn't one of those people that clearly stopped breathing. Um, apparently I imitated, you know, gasping for air really, 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 really well. And so it was a skill that I, that I didn't realize that I had. And it's led to lots of positive changes in my life because of that. Um, you know, it wasn't the quantity of sleep. It was the quality of sleep. Yeah. So don't be afraid to, to reach out and ask for help for that. So my tip would be to learn people's names. Oh, this is a huge Ooh, one. Ooh, that's um, a good one. And this is, this is something from, you know, my growing up, uh, my dad was a truck driver but owned his own company. And my dad was the best at knowing people's names. Like, And I remember one time I asked him, I was like, Dad, how do you know everybody's name? And he said, if I said, hey, you, go do that for me, would you go do it? It's like, yeah. If I said, Andy, acknowledged who you were and said, will you go do that for me? He's like, don't you feel different? And I was like, and I thought about it for a minute, and, I, and you do. And so learn people's names, and it's the awkward first time you meet them. Look at, you're going to look at their badge. They're going to think something's up, but learn their name. That way, next time you talk to them, the next time you see them, and every subsequent time you see them, you can address them by their name. Um, it goes a long way with you know uh, the, the cleaning staff, nursing, techs, EMTs, your consultants, um, to the point where you'll be on a, a better this kind of place for the entire interaction if you actually just know their name. It also helps when there's an emergent situation and you yeah. need to get a hold of somebody yeah. and they're standing across the room. They respond much better to their name than, Instead of, hey, nurse. hey, you. Or, hey, tech over there. Because yeah. then it just communicates some weird yeah. connotations. And there's some great ways to learn people's names without being obvious about it. Um, one of the main system that I use for EMR, most of us use, is Epic. At the top of the Epic screen, whoever's logged in, it has their first name and... Um, their initial and their last name. So you can come up behind them. Definitely do that all the time. (laughs) Look and see their name, right? Which is not awkwardly staring at the badge. They don't necessarily know. Or they get up from their computer and you don't know their name and you go and you look real quick before the screen shuts off and figure out their name. It's huge because it it makes a big impact. I can take that a step further and say, don't just get to know people's names, but get to know the people you're working yeah. with. And I'm not a big user of Facebook anymore, but one of the reasons, one of the huge reasons I have a Facebook account is to be friends with the staff that I work with so that I can see when they have a cool event in their life. Then there's a birthday party, when there's an anniversary, when something good or bad is going on. And you bring that up on shift and we've all mm-hmm. seen it, reaching out to somebody who maybe you don't even talk to that much and like, hey, John, happy birthday. It was John Casey's birthday yesterday, the yes, day yes, you know, indeed. before recording yeah, this episode. Happy yes. birthday. Oh, thank you. To be able to actually reach out and say that. <laughs> no, it's, it's huge. Uh, you'll see people having a bad day, their day get better. Um, and I think we've all been there where it's like, yeah. but somebody calls you by your name, they give, they give a, a non sequitur that to them, I'm sure you're like, why do they know that? But it's enough for them to re-engage a good relationship. Um, that can be a game changer. And if you don't know, just introduce yourself. I, yeah. There was a new nurse, I think is one of our uh, ED fellow, nursing fellows that was in the department uh, the other day when I was working. And we kind of come across each other for a couple hours and give that hot nod. Hey. And finally, he was doing something in close proximity to me. And I was just like, hey, dude, I'm Drew. What's your name? And, and what's your role? Are you one of the, the fellows? Or are you a traveling nurse? Or are you new? And, and we had a mini conversation and told me that he wanted to stay in the department when he was done. And now when we see each other, there's actually a connection, yeah. right? And he knows that he can call me Drew and he can let his guard down a little bit and doesn't have to be so nervous around me. And it's totally changed the way we interact. And it's a great thing to do. And I try to do that with as many people as possible. And if you want a little more context into how to handle a situation like that, check out our microaggressions episode. Uh-huh. where We go through a scenario where making assumptions about somebody maybe is not the most appropriate 
way, but saying, hey, who are you? What do you do? Like, why are you here? What, <laughs> what's your role here? In an incredibly unassuming, non-aggressive yeah, way. It wasn't, mm-hmm. what are you doing here? It's, hey, man, haven't seen you around. Yeah. What's yeah? What's your major malfunction? I mean. <laughs> yep. Exactly. And I swear, swear, I swear. That was a good time. You square we and coughing. I swear. Yeah. That's good. Clap for it. Um, so, so uh, I swear this was not scripted, but it's a great lead-in because my next hint uh, tip for for folks um, actually piggybacked onto what Andy said. And I will say this: working with Andy, uh, he is very genuine about that. He knows everyone's name, and he he makes it a point to call people by name. Uh, and I've seen him do that at big social gatherings where I have a really hard time. Like I know a lot of faces, but I have a really hard time remembering names. And he amazes me because he takes the time to remember the name. And it's something that, that I've learned from him that I try and do better at. But on a side note, piggybacking into, into what Tanner was getting at, actually genuinely and authentically asking people how they are. Yeah. And this goes for not only staff, but also your patients. So, very early on, and we've all done this. We we were all guilty of it, and we all see it when it happens to new physicians, and it really is like a soul crushing moment for us. Is when they come back and they sit down and they say, "I don't even know why this person is here. It's three in the morning. They have a sore throat. This doesn't make any sense to me. You know, they're just wasting resources, right? We've all had that moment, and you have to learn. You learn through it, but it's even better if you can avoid ever having that moment. I still have those moments and I have to check myself and be Absolutely. like, wait, reset Absolutely. legitimately happened to me last night on yeah. shift where I, I didn't say anything, but I started to think it like, yeah. seriously, 3am, right. why, why right. now? Yeah. And, and I didn't say anything to anybody. I walked in, I, you know, went back to my normal self, talked to the guy and within 30 seconds of talking with him, it became very apparent that the reason that it was 3am now is because he literally had just gotten here driving from across the country. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, oh, checking yourself, that, right? That makes that, a lot of sense. Actually. And that's the skill. It's not, it's not not having the thought, right? It's, it's knowing how to do that. And the way to do that isn't to broadcast that out in the yeah. universe. It's yeah. to, it's to figure out why. And so authentically asking people, and I'm not, and this is one thing there's, you know, COVID has caused a lot of weirdness, but one Really interesting thing that came out of it that I liked was they were talking in one of the psychology groups that I follow about, you know, how our normal is, you know, hey, Andy, how are you today? I'm good. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Default answer. There's that default answer. And there's that like just general checking like, hey, how you doing? I'm good. All is well. Right. But then there's the how are you doing? Really? And so I've started using that a lot with my patients you know, I know you're here today for, for chest pain, or I know you're here today because you broke your ankle, but there's a lot going on in the world. How are you? Really? Mm. Are you doing okay? And I've been inspired by yeah. some of the things that I've heard. Like, um, That's pretty so powerful. It's, it really does. It helps normalize the yeah. experience. And even if people don't love the fact that they necessarily didn't get a test that they thought they wanted or something like that, I've actually already had people that have either ridden back or called back when they got their customer service satisfaction thing that actually said, I really appreciated that that doctor asked me how I was doing outside of what I was there for. That was really cool. Yeah. And so I think I'm going to add that as like a permanent part of my um, repertoire now. But it's so important, even for the staff, right? The staff, the, the nurses and the techs and the housekeepers and everybody that you see. Um, just, you know, 
how are you really? Yeah, and, and my tip to kind of maybe take that a little further is I was having an issue with this uh, early on in residency, and I worked a shift with a, a friend of ours, Travis Ulmer, um, and I was kind of saying, yeah, I'm just having a hard time connecting with my patients. And we did a social experiment. He said, for the next 10 people you see, sit close to their face. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, but, but you the, can't do that anymore. You can't do that. Well, but, but so, so I, for, for the next 10 <laughs> this people, this is a tip for new docs after and, COVID. Yeah, <laughs> and, but, so what I do is I literally take the chair because most of our chair, like I take the chair and I move it up towards, I'm sitting torso up to where I'm five feet away and I sit down. Because when was the last time you had somebody sit down and talk to you and it didn't get more than just superfluous? Right. And that was something very, sim- very a small change to my, my bedside manner. And it's, it's changed everything to where like I automatically feel connected to the patient. You're talking to a friend because um, that's where when you talk to your friends, you don't sit across the room. You don't stand right. in front of the bed. You don't wave as they – you except get close now, to them. Except for now. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but that's a great way to maybe if you're uncomfortable, just sit down next to the patient. Um, right now, there's so much social distancing that yeah. even sitting six feet away from somebody feels really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like this is like a warm hug and we're six feet away, but we'll take it. Yeah. Well, and to piggyback onto the piggyback onto the piggyback, one thing that you can You're do during no. COVID. Lots yeah. of dovetailing. Yeah. But um, one of the things that I have used during COVID, and this came from a long time ago, uh, a seminar that I went to and learned a really interesting technique. For, it was actually when Ebola came through and you couldn't, you know, again, there was a lot of physical distancing required. And it was really powerful when the speaker did this in the room because, you know, the same thing. We've all had the experience and many of you have had the experience of lecturing in front of a room or on a Zoom conference and somebody's kind of checked out. And so um, I'll use I'll use Drew as an example. So, you know, even though we're, we're distant apart, um, let's say Drew is my patient and, you know, you're just you're not really. Yeah, I don't really know if I've got you. And, you know, maybe you're a little scared and things are going on. And it's the same thing, right? You know, the patient's name. So you look at you. Hey, Drew. I, I know we're far apart here, but I see you. I hear you. I know you're scared, right? And that I see you, I hear you. Mm-hmm. When the speaker did that in the seminar, he would do that several different times, like to people in the audience. It was amazing. Like you instantly felt connected to that person. And it cut through all the other nonsense that was going on in the room. Like I, I see you. I'm aware you are human. I hear you. I'm listening to you. And so it just became like a little catchphrase that I'll use now for patients that are really scared. Maybe they're going on BiPAP or maybe they're just, you know, maybe they're, 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 you know, going through the transition and, um, quite frankly, don't have a lot of people at their bedside and their family, right? So, um, it's a way to, to do that same thing that, uh, Travis was teaching you. It's just making sure that connection is there. It's kind of funny how a lot of these tips just kind of come back to the, the basic core concept of treating somebody like they're a human. Yeah. And they're, they're a person that is, that is real and alive and in front of you. Yeah. I think too many times though, I mean, it's, you're right. It's basics, but I feel like in the journey we have to become a physician, we're almost dehumanized at times. Oh yeah. And and we're having this conversation because you get into residency, you get into an attending life. Like some of what we do dehumanizes us. So it's great to like have these calls back to who you were when you were in high school. Hashtag more than medicine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's particularly challenging right now in the world of COVID that to be human and mm-hmm. to look at somebody, I mean, I, I walk into a room and I have a mask covering my face, so I can't read, somebody can't read my facial expressions. I can't read the other person's facial expressions because they're in a mask. And sometimes I even do more of a ENT throat exam than I typically would just to have the excuse of having the patient pull down their mask to, to 
feel like I actually can get a better understanding of what's there, going on, yeah. right? To see that facial expression um, and get a better understanding. But but it does, it dehumanizes both of us and it makes that connection even harder. And so then provider satisfaction, patient satisfaction, and that, that quick relationship is even harder to establish. So it's even more important that we find a way to figure out how they're really doing, sitting down in the room, even if we are distance or asking, you know, really how, and just in general, how are you doing uh, is a great thing. I'm not as good at doing that as, as you guys are. Something I definitely need to get better at. Something I do ask a lot is when somebody tells me they're not doing so well, I'm like, but have you been worse? And it's funny because it's a little bit of an icebreaker. I love it. Yeah. Right. And and we and I, I say it in a joking manner. And sometimes the patient looks at me straight on like, no, I've this is this is the worst I've ever been. I'm like, oh, okay. Now I, I realize we, we just we're at a level nine now for, for level, John, nine, level, level nine, nine. <laughs> level nine people for John Casey. But it's so often that it kind of breaks the ice. The patient's like, yeah, you know, I have been worse, but but this is pretty bad. And and then I go, yeah. So let's figure it out. Like let's talk about it a little more. Yeah. And it gives me the ability to gauge really quickly how how serious the patient thinks they are. Yeah. So, Andy, you want to talk a little more about COVID-specific tips for new docs. We're, we're talking about relationship building, which is probably the most important tip, uh, particularly as we're dealing with this pandemic, which is going to be with us for the foreseeable future, whatever that means. What, what else? So I, I think it's just know the scenario you're coming into. Um, I think people who are transitioning, uh, you're transitioning in an unprecedented time in medicine. Um, I can't think of... I did some history of medicine looking up before we did this episode. Um, there hasn't been one of these really bad kind of pandemics since 1918, um, maybe to this level and maybe to the length and the severity. And, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of divide, um, in and out of medicine, um, in and out of our country. And just know that like, you're kind of coming into a place where your attendings might be a little more tired than they are typically in July. I typically look at July as, you know, it's, it's a uh, new year, new year's resolutions. Everybody's pumped. Everybody's excited. You've just finished a few months of like all the seniors are rock stars. They're ready yeah. to graduate. People are, people are at their peak, ready to move yeah. on to the next level. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're dumped into a whole, like the, you're, at, you're back at the bottom starting up and you have to work harder again. And so just know that the, the situation you're coming into isn't as, amazing and awesome as it probably it usually is and don't take that out on people just know that that's where you're coming into um as educators we're all rebounding from this um and maybe cause a little bit of slacks so that's my tip be a little more patient with yeah. with with the people above you grace grace yeah have have grace for people that yeah. they've had a hard time you've had a hard time the patients have had a hard time the economy's had a hard time yeah you know political uh entities have had a hard time you know nobody has known how to really deal with this. So just yeah. having that little bit of an open heart and, and finding grace for people uh, goes a long way to making I your say, day go better. This is, this is a time where you can just assume that everyone's had a really, really rough time and you're probably right. Yeah. In some form or fashion, somebody has had a rough time and whether that context is the same or different between people, you know, that's, that's a whole other story, but um, everyone's struggling in some form. Yeah. And I think it's really important for new attendants too is for new residents and new attendants, there's going to be no ceremony as you graduate and walk into your new setting, right? There's no pomp and circumstance. The group might be financially struggling. You coming on board might have been a hit for them. And, and this is kind of the white elephant in the room that we, we got to talk about a little bit. Um, so walking in with grace and understanding that the situation you're walking into, no matter what it is, is much uh, less ideal than what you wanted it to be when you signed a contract or when you matched or whatever. Um but you're there and you're going to make the best of the situation. And in the coming months and year, it's going to get better. 
and yeah. we're going to get our feedback underneath us. And we're going to be able to have some type of social gatherings to celebrate people being there and, and get back out and, and return to some sense of normalcy. Um, but just, just know that whatever stress you feel walking in the situation, everyone else walking in the situation with you is feeling the same thing. So the tip that I would communicate for COVID for people that are going into new scenarios is uh, to remember the scarcity of resources. And one of the, you know, there's been a lot of stuff in the news and in, in hospitals and the emails and all kinds of stuff about resources and what we have available and what we don't. The reality is, is eventually or currently or whatever thing, but eventually we can, we can make more ventilators. We can print more masks. We can make more tests. It's really, really hard to start printing people. It's hard. It's hard to start printing physicians. It's hard to start printing nurses and techs and cleaning staff and, and, the reality is, is that the most scarce resource we have is us yes. and we need to make that a priority. If, if there is a big outbreak or you have, if you're in a scenario where there's a lot of COVID type stuff going on, make sure you take care of each other first. Mm-hmm. And that's really, really hard because our, our jobs and our, in our desires in our hearts as emergency providers is to rush to help people, but we can't rush right now. We have to be smart. Um, it doesn't it doesn't help us to rush into a room of a coding patient not knowing what's going on, and then all of a sudden we have six to eight people sick that shouldn't have been sick that no longer can provide care for the subsequent 150 people, 300 people, thousand people that they would see over the course of the next few weeks. Um, and and so that would be my thing is you know just just be smart and be safe as best you can. Slow, smooth, and smooth is fast. Yep. Lots of people say it, although Ian Strand is my favorite person to ever say that. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And he probably had a dot phrase for it. I'm sure he, he did. Probably did. He sure probably did. did. <laughs> well, guys, I think this has been an incredible conversation. It's a great way to give a little primer to people that are starting the new academic year or the new attending year uh, off. So students, residents, new attendings, or old attendings, hope you enjoyed the episode. There is a old tip that John mentioned three years ago that I do want to bring up one more time, which is find a pair of pants and put them on weekly. And it yeah. doesn't matter what stage of life and <laughs> right. training you're in. Uh, he says because waistlines grow, I believe that pants shrink if you don't wear them. Um, differing in <laughs> yeah, opinion. No, that's a fact. They, if you wash them, they shrink. And yeah, right. yeah for sure shrink. Yes. But it's a good way to check yourself. Uh, we spend a lot of our life in uh, the professional equivalent of pajama pants. So make Love sure it. that you're keeping your waistline uh, intact, which is a bigger indicator of getting proper exercise, getting proper sleep, maintaining stress on your life, and, and so many other things. So I think that is an incredibly important tip that you brought up once, and I want to make sure we don't forget it. Yes, I appreciate that. It is a, it's a tip that remains in full force. <laughs> All right. Well, as you all walk into a new situation, remember the impression that you make as you walk in the door is the impression that's going to be with you for a while. I think we've given you some great tips on how to make a good first impression and ways to really succeed in whatever environment and venue you're about to walk into. Thanks so much for listening. Can't wait to talk to you soon. And good luck. Stay safe out there, everyone.